Hey, what's up? Cody Birch here. Welcome to the show. Today's conversation is with Samantha Bennett, or Sam Bennett, as she goes by as well. She's the founder at the Organized Artist Company, and she's the author of two books. The first one is called Start Right Where You Are, and the subtitle is How Little Changes Can Make a Big Difference for Overwhelmed Procrastinators, Frustrated Overachievers, and Recovering Perfectionists. How's that for a title? And the second book is called Get It Done, From Procrastination to Creative Genius in 15 Minutes a Day. Now, Sam has been in lots of different industries, but one of the things we talked about a whole lot is around comedy. She was a part of the Second City Improv Group. She uh, has really interesting friends that have written the forwards and the recommendations for her books, famous comedians and authors and things like that as well. So we talked about what that transition was like going from comedy and improv and performance now to helping people with their marketing and especially in the world of creativity and in the world of helping people stop procrastinating. Really great uh, conversation. We covered a lot of ground here, and I'm going to link this up in the show notes, but you should go to therealsambennett.com, listen to the episode first, then jump on uh, to your uh, jump onto her website. She has a really great email list, and how do I know? Well, I have been on it for a few weeks now, and she sends really amazing emails, great stories, great inspiration. It's just like all good stuff, and she's even won some awards for her email list uh, in the past. So if you want to check out how to do email marketing better, definitely go to therealsambennett.com and sign up for her email list and, uh, and enjoy that. So hope you love this conversation with Sam Bennett today. And I know you will. And when you get a second, when you're done, go sign up for uh, her email list and then also hop over to the iTunes store and leave a rating and a review. It really helps more people find the show. And also if you're listening in Spotify, give it a clap or a thumbs up or whatever Spotify wants you to do. That helps out as well. Enjoy the show. Want to know what it really takes to build a thriving, profitable business from the ground up? Hey, I'm your host, Cody Birch, and this is the Cody Builds a Business Podcast. Your unfiltered front row seat to watching me build a seven-figure online business from scratch or die trying. Let's get started. All right, we now welcome to the Cody Builds a Business Podcast, Sam Bennett. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Cody. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you so much for being on the show. And a question that I ask all of my guests is, I'm fascinated with how people got into entrepreneurship. I'm a late, I was in my late 30s when I got bit by the bug. I'm a first generation entrepreneur. It wasn't like I come from a long line and all my friends are business owners and things like that. So walk us through what that transition was like for you. Yeah, it was completely inadvertent. Um, <laughs> I had no plan to do this at all. Um, I started out as an actor. I was, in, I was one of those kids who went to theater camp and I did all the shows in school and I went to college for theater. And then I actually left Northwestern because I got um, a, a job offer at Second City in Chicago, which is sort of the legendary comedy theater. So uh, I spent a long time there and just, you know, I had a really terrific acting career, you know, a lot of stage work, a lot of improv comedy, a lot of television in Chicago and then in Los Angeles. And it was really fun um, and good enough that you didn't want to give up on it, but not going so well as to be able to actually support a person. So <laughs> along the way, um, mostly I just did a zillion other things. You know, my whole life was just this jumble of jobs and gigs and projects and shows and auditions and productions and late night and half night and teaching and not. And, uh, but along the way, I got really interested in this question of how do creative people make decisions? Hmm. How do you figure out what to do when you could do anything? 
you know, like, well, should I have a podcast or should I do YouTube videos? Should I stand on the street corner with a sandwich board? Like, what do I do? Um, And especially when there's no right answer, right? There's not a the answer. There's just your answer. There's no right way. There's your right way. So I started teaching a class called Get It Done, like in a church basement in Van Nuys for 11 people. Um, (laughs) And it was a lot of sort of worksheets and exercises and imagination games so that you can really figure out what your groove is and how you want to do stuff. Because when you're doing the stuff you really want to do in the way you want to do it, in a way that matches your natural creative rhythm, it's easy. And it just grew from there. It turned into a bunch of classes and uh, books and speaking gigs and all kinds of stuff. Mm. That's awesome. So when I think of what to do, I always think of a marketing perspective and I've kind of used that, that line of thinking before, like you could buy a bus bench or you could buy a Facebook ad or you could buy the biplanes that fly over the football stadium to, with a banner advertising your website. Uh, is that the context that you, that the problem I guess you set out to solve? Was it more of a marketing thing? Like how do you grow your business if you're a creative? How do you start your business? What, what was that like? Yeah. People who come to me tend to be, fall sort of into one of three categories. They're either, they may not even describe themselves as creative, but they kind of want to zhuzh up their lives a little bit and reconnect to that creative voice. Other people come to me and they have a very specific project that they want to move forward on. You know, they've got a screenplay that's been sitting in a drawer forever. You know, they've got, they want to get back to watercolor. They want to get back to dance. There's something they've been meaning to do. And then there's the third bucket, which are people who want to make money from their creativity. And I love, um, becoming an entrepreneur unleashed my inner marketing nerd. Um, (laughs) I love marketing and I love coming up with uh, innovative ideas for marketing and helping creative people. Uh, yeah, figure out how to reach the people who are already into what they're doing and create an irresistible offer so it's an easy yes for everyone. What do you mean when you say creative? Uh, Maybe the imagination goes to uh, somebody in a loft in New York throwing paint on a canvas and things like that, but it's probably not exactly what you mean when you say creative, right? Right. So that would, there's a difference between creative and artistic, Hmm. right? So Not everyone is artistic in the same way that not everyone is musical. Right. But I think everyone's creative and I think everyone's a creative genius in some way or another. You know, they say that thing about how our soul, how our bodies are like 70% water. I think that our souls are 65% creativity. (laughs) So if you've ever solved a problem differently than anybody else has ever solved the problem, congratulations, you are a creative genius. And but the people I help would mostly self-describe as creative. And the thing is they're mostly highly creative, which means they've got a lot of different skills and talents. They're the people that you talk to where they're like, Oh yeah, well I write books, but I also make stained glass and I love French cooking and I used to clog dance. Not so much anymore. Like (laughs) (laughs) those, those tend to be my people. Okay. Got it. And when you help them through your books and your speaking and your coaching and all your ways you help them get a result, is it specific to their business? Like so they can get more clients and so they can serve more people and have more money freedom or time freedom? Yeah. Some of them, some of them, that's, that's probably true for the most of them. Um, there's also a fair percentage of people who aren't, it's not so much about the money. It really is about creating a movement. It is about creating a fan base. It's about, Um, some kind of social action, you know, they want to get a thousand kittens adopted, you know, they have some big calling that they want to 
see happen. But whatever it is they're doing, they're kind of coloring outside of the lines. They're not doing something that somebody else has done before or has done in their way. So a lot of the conventional sort of cookie cutter wisdom about how to grow and market a business just doesn't apply to them. And plus they don't feel like it applies to them. They half of them don't even think they're in business to begin with. Like mm. they, and they don't recognize any of the terms, you know, customer journey or lifetime customer value or right. ROI or that like doesn't speak to them at all. So we have to talk about, you know, building a big tribe around the campfire. We have to talk about um, attracting fans, attracting community, people who share your values. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of a, a, a language differential, but it's the same thing. Marketing is marketing. And the beautiful thing about marketing is marketing is anything you do, right? Yeah. To help people know you, like you, and trust you. So one of the things I encourage people to do is to change the verb. Like, because marketing is one of those big dumb words that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. And it kind of makes people feel bad, like networking. Like everybody just gets tired when you say networking. <laughs> <laughs> but if you change the verb, if you think, well, all right, so we'll throw away the word marketing because it doesn't mean anything. But how would I love to engage with my people? You know, would I love to whisper to them? Would I love to write them love letters? Do I want to preach to them? Do I want to whip them? You right. know, Danielle Laporte used to send out the daily whip. Um, Susan Evans will whip you for free. <laughs> you know, some people are very confrontive. You know, do they want to dance? You know, do you want to dance with them? Do you want to do magic tricks? Like, how is it you would love to engage with your people and then allow that new verb to spark new ideas about how you can engage with them? Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Let's get, let's get super practical. Let's say that somebody off of the list you just gave said they want to, uh, whatever the most practical example is, they want to whisper to their clients, they want to love on them in a compassionate way or whatever, or to their tribe or whatever words they would use. What do you, how do they get started? If, if they not, don't identify as they keep procrastinating, they don't know what to do or how to market or how to communicate or how to try build. Give me some tactics for those people. So if I wanted to whisper to people, if I wanted to, yeah, love whispers, whispers, sweet nothings, you know, have them fall in love with me. Uh -huh. um, I would probably use email because it's super intimate, but it's also, um, it's not as demandy as a text <laughs> or a private message, right? right? There's something about email that feels a little like passing notes. So, and I would probably, you know, go ahead and have a subject line that says, Psst. <laughs> you know, I have a secret for you, you know, and let there be a lot of white space, you know, one sentence paragraphs are your friend, you know, really walk them down the lane, be very, um, uh, emotionally engaged with what you're saying. So anything that sounds or feels like marketing copy, I would get rid of. Yeah. And I would just really concentrate on speaking very directly from the heart. Um, and that's, that's where I would go. Um, so in that way, so when you say email in my head, that starts to eliminate other things like that might mean, uh, well, number one, they need to, if they said that that's amazing, that's what I want to do. And you said, yep, that's your lane then that makes me think, well, they need to get an email list. And it also makes me think, well, they also probably don't need to start a super robust YouTube channel. Like that's, that's different or that's the opposite uh, in, in that way. Is that, is that how you start to help people once they identify the method by which they're comfortable communicating to attract the right person, putting the plan in place to say, now here's how we're going to do that. If you want 
a podcast thing, you got to get a bunch of subscribers. If you want a YouTube channel, you got to get subscribers and views and there's ways to do that. You want an email list. Here's how to do that. Is that, is that where we're going here? Yeah. Right. And then, you know, and then once yeah, cause you're right, you got to pick a lane, you got to start somewhere. You cannot chase two bunnies. Right. So, you know, pick one thing. And then once you sort of have that nailed a little bit, now you've got a better sense of what your communication style is and who your people are and what words are going to turn them on and what words are going to turn them off. And you could have a YouTube channel then, right. That is still sort of whispering and loving right. and gentle. You could have, you know, you start to, be able to expand that concept beyond, beyond where you start um, and really start to have fun with it. And then, and the great thing is now, again, like I said, you're doing what you want to do in the way you want to do it with people you want to do it with. It doesn't feel like, oh, I've got to send out my marketing letter. It feels right. like, oh, oh, I get to do this thing that's so fun that I would totally do anyway. And, and then you enjoy the process. Yeah. Right, because success is the ongoing realization of a worthy goal. Right? Mm. I think that's I think that's Leland Volvanderwall. Um, success is the ongoing or progressive realization of a worthy goal. So we don't just want our destination to be worthy; we want each step along the way to feel enriching, to feel fun, to feel um, challenging. That's the great thing about entrepreneurship, right? We get to do it our way. Yeah, that's great. I was talking to a client once and we were, it was getting kind of contentious with how they were delivering things and I was helping them out. And it was, I don't know, kind of going around and around. And it was my first year in the business. And I just stopped and said, Hey, time out. Are you having fun? Like, do you like how, mm. like it, in, in his way, he was making a bunch of courses and content because he thought that was the right thing to do. It wasn't my advice necessarily, but it was, well, my buddies are all making courses. I want to make a course, but it was so hard for him to stay on deadline. And then people were, he would say module two is coming out on Tuesday, but it got to Monday night and he hadn't filmed module two yet. And as the world was waiting on module two and he had pre-sold it and people had prepaid and it was just really tense. And I, I, I just, it, it hit him and I said, are you having fun? And he stopped him dead in his tracks. And he's like, I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know anymore. Then he kind of stared off in the distance and I just slowly backed away. Like, I don't remember how that, how that meeting ended up, but it was, it was like that. And, and that's what comes to mind for me is you start to like, if the key to business was, you have to have an amazing, hilarious YouTube channel. I'd be like, really? I don't know how to do that. I don't even have a good camera and I don't know how to edit video. And is that really the thing that I would dread it? Like you would say that I wouldn't do it, which is what I want to talk about next is about procrastination. And so I love what you said about a worthwhile destination and a worthwhile, every step of the process is worthwhile. And then you love it. Like for me, I love podcast episodes. I just don't miss them. I'll record them in the car or on a walk or in the closet or how I, curate content or like Seth Godin says, like connect dots and collect dots, like collect them and then connect them. Like, I just love doing that. I'm looking for dots everywhere that I can scoop up and then talk about for four minutes on a show that would then serve people that would, you know, I need to do a better job of repurposing my content. But for now, I'm not, no shame on that. And I'm just going to keep putting out content that I like to do that it really, you know, builds a tribe and serves me and I love the process. So um, I don't know, interesting to see how that, how different entrepreneurs can use their skill sets and how you help them arrive at that way to not do and so what should you do and there's no right path like you said it's the right the right path for the right person in the right way or whatever right and I'll, I'll go even I think what you're saying is exactly right on like do the thing that you would do anyway that you love that you love to do um, because then it, it doesn't feel like work you already have and you have a natural genius at it because you're interested in it you've you've sort of made a little study of whatever it is you know yep. um, and uh, and you become indelible, right? All of a sudden you're doing things in a way that no one else is going to do them or think to do them. Uh, and it, here's, the, here's a little 
key, it's probably going to feel too easy. <laughs> it's probably going to feel like, well, that'll never work. That's too, that's so obvious and stupid. Like, okay, yeah. the minute you say obvious and stupid, you're on the right track. Hmm. Um, I was just talking to a client the other day who she's like a spiritual advisor. You know, she lives in Hawaii and she works with like energy vortexes and, you know, helping yeah. people clear out their spiritual and mental selves and create a new vision for their lives. It's beautiful work. Um, but, you know, she's not, you know, she's, yeah, she's not a real, like, she's not going to want to do things by the book. And we, and I said, well, let's do a thing where she's going to make a little video and then invite people to, um, like fill out sort of a, an activation, you know, magnetization activation form, you know, about sort of what's, what do they want and what's getting in their way and, um, you know, what their vision for their life might be. And then she'll respond by doing like a little uh, bonjour or bomb bomb, you know, email video message. Yeah. In whatever way she wants, like whatever inspires her in that moment. You know, if she gets a submission from somebody, and now this is great, right? Because she's getting actual information from actual people who actually want to engage with her in their own words, what they want and what they think is getting in their way. Yeah. So great market research. Now she can turn around and, you know, send them a little video back that says, hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. I hope, you know, I want nothing but the best for you. Or maybe she's got a little download, you know, some idea she has for them. Um, and she can say, I really think we should talk about working together because I think I can really help move you forward on this. You know, and again, it feels very organic to her. It doesn't feel cookie cutter. And it capitalizes on her ability to be in the moment, which is really kind of her genius. Yeah, love that. That's great. Uh, let's talk about procrastination. I, uh, the, the name of your book, or you've written several books, but one of them is Get It Done. And the subtitle matters so much to me. It's, the, it's from procrastination to creative genius in 15 minutes a day. I've seen procrastination rear its ugly head. Uh, and so, I don't know, for me, sometimes it's useful. So I guess I'll start with that. How can procrastination serve us? Yeah. So procrastination is a big word that can mean a lot of things. Um, but I'm with you. I think in general, procrastination is, in fact, your genius in disguise. Hmm. Procrastination is reminding you that something is important to you. Because, you know, you've had a zillion ideas that have come and gone, right? Right. But there's a few that are still hanging around. They are still tugging on your sleeve. They are still standing there going, hey, hey, remember me? Hey, yeah. hey, want to do that thing? Let's do that thing. How about that thing? <laughs> and we quickly turn that into a nagging, like, oh my God, I can't believe I've done this. Oh, I wish I'd done this. Oh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe, you know. But if you sort of take away the voice of criticism, what you hear underneath is a true voice of desire. Huh. And I believe the desire is your engraved invitation from God, like the fact that you want, you've had the idea and you want to do it, that's kind of it. Yeah. Like that's as much as an invitation as anybody gets. And I work with Academy Award winners and Emmy Award winners and famous people and that's all they get too, is that little voice that goes, huh, I wonder if I could, oh, you know, it'd be cool as if, like, that's it. That's the yeah. whole banana, right? Sometimes I think people are like, well, I'm waiting for a sign. I'm waiting for it. No, no, there's, that's it. That's the sign. <laughs> okay. You got you it. had the idea. That's the sign. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes, so sometimes I think it's, like I said, it's just, it's just, it's a beautiful reminder of our desire. Um, I think, too, it's, uh, sometimes procrastination just means your project's too big. Yeah. You no, know, you get an idea and then all of a sudden 
you get the whole idea? <laughs> no. Like this is big three-dimensional thing with sequels and theme parks and t-shirts and an international grassroots movement with a, you know, like a biannual convention, like all of a sudden you see the whole thing. And then you immediately get paralyzed because who could possibly move forward on an idea that big? Right. So this is where the 15 minutes a day thing comes in, right? Spend 15 minutes a day. You can all take the pledge with me. You ready? Take the pledge, yeah. hold up the Girl Scout sign, you know, whatever, whatever pledge sign you like. Okay, can, I'm doing whatever. it. Um, 15 minutes a day, every single day, on the projects that matter most to you. 15 minutes a day, every single day, on the projects that matter most to you, before you check your email. Hmm. Before you check your email, before you check your email, spend 15 minutes on the projects that matter most to you. Yeah. And if that's, and, and really, like I said, whatever matters most to you, I don't care if it matters to anybody else. I don't care if you're good at it. I don't care if it's, you know, getting back to that guitar playing you used to do when you were in seventh grade or drawing some kind of artistic expression or if it is your prayer and meditation practice or stretching every morning or just spending time staring out the window, like spacing out for 15 minutes, give yourself a second, you know, yeah. whatever it is for you that, you know, lights you up inside, spend 15 minutes a day on that and watch your life transform. How did you come by that method? I stole it from somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> I certainly didn't invent it. I mean, people have been saying the 15 minute a day thing forever. Um, I guess when did you I, know that you had a knack for, I don't know, that it mattered enough to you to write a book about it and get that message out to the world that there's a way to get over procrastination and especially for creatives because that's the world you, you come from, it seems like. And uh, just curious, I don't know, why, why that matters so much to you. Yeah, I love the 15 minute thing because it solves a bunch of problems all at once. Um, it part of it's just the time thing. I mean, we are busy people. We live in a busy world. You know, we have these ideas of like, I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. Like really in what extra life? <laughs> like where is that supposed to happen? Yeah. You know, I don't have an extra hour a day. I don't even really have an extra half hour a day, but 15 minutes that I can find. Yeah. The world can wait for me for 15 minutes. You know? Yeah. Um, it also hopscotches right over your perfectionism, which is one of the other causes of procrastination, right? Because honestly, how perfect is it going to be in 15 minutes? Plus you're going to do it again tomorrow. So, right. you know, you just get into this and then you get in the habit of sort of chunking things out and going like, okay, well, what could I get done in 15 minutes? I had a client who, um, she made jewelry and but she'd been, she also had a, she had a full-time day job, you know, kind of, and she was concerned that the day job was uh, destroying her, which is true. Fluorescent lights do, in fact, suck your soul away. <laughs> um, so she was hoping to sort of be able to make more money from the jewelry. So I tell her about this 15-minute-a-day thing, and she's like, that's not going to work for me. Like, I've got all this stuff and all these, like, it takes me 15 minutes just to get set up. And I'm like, okay, look, you're a creative person. Just noodle around on it. Maybe you're doodling for 15 minutes a day or just conceptualizing inside of your mind. I don't care. Just play with it. Okay. She says, next call, two weeks later, she had made herself like a little kit, like a little tray sort of with all her stuff already laid out on it. So she could just pull it out, work for 15 minutes and then put it back. Very smart. 
So now she's made three necklaces in the last two weeks, which is more than she had made in the previous six months. Now she realizes she's got this little kit that she can bring with her. She was also, this is so LA, she was also apprenticing at a tattoo parlor. In LA to be a tattoo artist is kind of a big deal. So she was apprenticing at this tattoo parlor. She starts to bring in her little jewelry thing for when it's slow. Well, they didn't know she made jewelry. So now between the jewelry and the tattoo parlor selling the jewelry, she can quit the full-time job, spend the time on the jewelry and tattoo, and then make time for painting, which is what she really wanted to do. Right. It's amazing what happens when you start to follow those little sparkly breadcrumbs, you know, just start, take a couple of little steps and see what happens. Now, do you limit it to 15 minutes? If you're on a roll, do you keep going or is there magic in... Of course not. No, if you get into a groove, dude, ride the groove for sure. For sure. Yeah. Sometimes you sit down for 15 minutes and you get up four hours later. Other times, you know, at 14 minutes and 59 seconds, you're like, and we're done. (laughs) (laughs) This was awful. I, I can imagine that. I I, uh, I wrote my book last year. And so there was that time, like I was just, I would delay and delay. even now I still build a ton of funnels. I build funnels for myself and for clients. And I'll, I would just find, have you heard of Parkinson's law? Sure. The the adage that work expands and it fills up the time available for its completion or whatever. So in my head, I'm like, okay, the funnel drops on Tuesday because I told some friends or what, or told my wife or told myself or told my coach or told whatever. And I end up still doing it. And, you know, I'm, even like I'm in college, I just do it the night before. Um, and well, so see, this, is, this is another good one though, to uh, talking about procrastination. Cause I hear this all the time. People are like, Oh, I never do anything to the last minute. I never do anything to the last minute. Well, nobody does anything to the last minute. No. That's how we know that something needs to be done because it's the last minute. Right. Now your version of the last minute and somebody else's version of the last minute might be two different things. My sister does all her Christmas shopping in August, but for her, <laughs> August is the last minute. Like right. <laughs> that's what feels good to her. Right. Um, you know, other people like to plot stuff out way in advance and have a really slow and steady schedule. I'm more like you. I'm like, I got my tap shoes right here. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, but even that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm sitting down here. It's Monday night. I said this would launch tomorrow. I haven't done anything. But that's not actually true. It's been sort of simmering there for a little bit, and. This is why deadlines have such beauty and magic in them because your brain, when you move something from the, oh yeah, I'll get to that someday part of your brain to the, it's dropping on Tuesday part of your brain, your brain kicks in. <laughs> like, oh shoot, let's go. And all of a sudden, so then when you sit down to do it, like you kind of already know what you want to do. You've kind of already written some of the copy. You kind of had the shape of the thing in your mind. You'd still have to execute it but you're much further along than you're giving yourself credit for being. That's true. Thank you for saying that. I, uh, that is true. I, I hosted a live event a couple of weeks ago and I, I made, um, I used to do live events, but when I was an employee of this company and I was always, you know, like, why am I building the slide decks? Like the morning of the talk, like, why didn't we do this last week or last month? And though I didn't wait till the day of, thank goodness, I, I did, did it the week before, but um, you're right. I was, when I started to lay out, like, what's the morning session? And for me, I started to map out. I don't really identify as a creative, which I also think I'm not giving myself enough credit for. I got an engineering degree, computer science, coding, uh, engineer, just math nerd guy. And when it comes to, but I, I always love to, I'm still getting the streams crossed here. I, I, I love to draw. I love to paint. I love to do graphic design. I, I don't love to paint. That was actually a lie. I don't know why I said that. I bet I would love to paint is what I meant to say. But I do love to draw and doodle and and it entertains my kids and it's a fun thing. But when it comes to being creative, it, it would kind of, 
I never have identified as that. I never really accepted that mantle. But at my live event, I thought, well, morning of, or you know, day one, session one, what do I want them to feel when they walk in the room? What's the emotion? How do they feel when they're done? What's the outcome of session one? And then, I don't know about you, but for me, I, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, mining through granite and you just, it's kind of hard work. And then at some point, like, I'm just going to stop and I'm going to approach this from a different angle. Then I'll go walk the dog or go to the gym or take a shower or take a nap or go to bed or wait a week or whatever. And like, I've got it now. Now that I like forced my brain to go there, I don't know what's happening neurologically, but I forced my brain to, you know, shape itself around this problem, step away. And then I can see it from a different angle and then can come back and knock it out of the park. And with a, whether it's a book or a podcast or a live event or, or whatever. Have you seen that in your life as well? Absolutely. And to me, creativity is so much about problem solving. I think engineers are incredibly creative. Coders are incredibly creative. Hmm. Um, and, it, and it bums me out that they don't give themselves credit for that particular variety of creativity, right? Um, it's a little different than being artistic, although many of them are also artistic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it annoys me that somehow people think creativity is the sole province of, like you say, somebody living in an attic in, right. <laughs> in a loft in New York. Because um, really, if you're wondering, all you out there, if you're wondering where is, where is my creative genius, in my experience, it's, it's the problems you almost solve without thinking. You know, the, the situations or circumstances or problems that you look at and you're like, well, clearly, it's supposed to be like this. Yeah. You know, clearly you take two eggs and I don't know, some cheese and, you know, or clearly you tell this child this in order to raise them up to be a better adult, or you tell this employee this in order to make them feel better and more motivated. Um, you know, you might have a, a creative genius around inspiring people. You might have a creative genius around systems and structures. You might have a creative genius around invention. You might have a creative genius around, um, spaces and and you know i have a client who does home and office organization <laughs> particularly focusing on men who would like to date women who would like to like not have women be frightened by their apartments right <laughs> which is a great niche yeah. um and i'm talking and she said this she said the same thing she's like i don't know why she's like but i could always do this i walk into any room and i'm like mm, that should be over here that should be over here what's that doing here move this try this you know like she just does it yeah. That's so where whatever it is that you do that you're like, oh, surely everybody else does this too. No, no. I guarantee you they don't. Yeah. That's so true. I was talking to my wife about she has an event planning business and we were planning my event and driving up and I was, I was like, hey, it just hit me. What the heck are we doing? Like, why am I, what is the site visit? Like, what am I looking for? Is it how many steps to the bathroom? Is it like, what's the, she's like, oh gosh, everybody knows that. I was like, no, 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 nobody knows that except for nobody you, like, except event planners. And she just kind of rolled her eyes. Well, you know, proximity to public transport, uh, comfortable beds, uh, great, you know, diverse amount of food, vegan options are helpful. They're like all this stuff was like, babe, that sounds like a, I don't know, a, you know, as a marketer, I'm like a lead magnet to a event totally. hosting course. You know what I mean? Fantastic it's, it's downloadable thing. PDF for sure. Yeah, for sure. The, the, and I've been now, now I'm keep pinging her like, uh, giving her a nudge saying it's time to start your event planning course for entrepreneurs. And, and that sounds like a great lead magnet for the right person, you know, how to negotiate a room block. Well, gosh, everybody knows how to negotiate a room block. Nobody does like nobody, no. literally nobody knows that. And it's tens of thousands of dollars on the line for them to get that wrong. So, you know, show them how to do that. And that's I see that with my, both myself and with, I don't know, for me, it'd be like, how do I install a Facebook pixel? And like my eyes roll so far back in my head. I'm like, fall out of my chair. Oh my gosh, everybody knows that. And there's still- No, nobody knows that. no clue what that is. No clue. And 
I would encourage the people listening to, I love how you phrase that and give us permission to say when it's just so blatantly obvious. And if you find yourself saying, oh, that doesn't matter. The world already knows this thing that's so easy to me. I would challenge you to say, no, no, they don't. And like jot it down and help other people via whatever you're talking about, a Facebook post, a, an email list builder, a podcast, a YouTube video, a, whatever content you're putting out in the world. Sounds like that's a great uh, litmus test of if it's, if it's worth sharing with other people. Absolutely. Because again, you're, you're, you're great at it. You have a natural genius for it and, and you care about it, right? Yeah. You know, my friend who cares about having 4th of July centerpieces, like, <laughs> I would never, I, we could stay here all day long and it will never occur to me <laughs> to have 4th of July centerpieces. Yeah. But he loves that stuff, right? So yeah. he should be in charge of it. So yeah, it's the stuff you just end up doing automatically. Yeah. Um, or you get asked to do all the time. Oh, I know. Have so-and-so plan that. She knows everybody. Get her. Like, oh, right. good to know. You're a connector. You know a lot of people. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Great. Well, this has been super fun. I, uh, I enjoy this chat. I, we, have, we have a lot in common. I think our, thank you for letting me give myself more credit for all the things I'm really good at. I need to own that more. I think a lot of us still deal with imposter syndrome and, and, uh, and I'm getting better at it over the years, but um, well, it's also, I think it's a kind of a mean trick that school plays on us a little bit, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I got, I would get kind of a hard time from my parents of like, well, Samantha, you know, you got good grades in English and drama, but you know, what about French and calculus? And it sort of creates this world in which like the only things that matter are the things you really, 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 really worked hard on. Yeah. And I'm like, no, can we go back to the part about how I got good grades in English and drama and then made a career as a writer and an actor? How about that? <laughs> Right. Believe me, the calculus thing was never going to happen. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, I've, got, I've got some questions that I'm just dying to ask, and you're on my show, and I get to ask whatever I want. Uh, how did you get Seth Godin to uh, – did he write the foreword for one of your books? Is no, right? he endorsed it. Endorsed um, it, okay. How did you get him to endorse one of your books? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, my publisher – so, like I said, I was – I you know, come from a, a – acting background. So I had a bunch of my sort of Hollywood friends who were willing to write endorsements for the book. Uh, but then the publisher was like, yeah, but we need some real people too. <laughs> you know, like, you can't just be your famous friends who, you know, who, who would you like? And I was like, I don't know. It's Seth Godin, the Heath brothers, Daniel Pink. Like I, you know, I just named yeah. some of my total heroes and, uh, so they sent it over to Seth and he came right back with this amazing endorsement and I'm still not over it. I'm totally not over it. <laughs> and I actually got to interview him fairly recently uh, on a podcast called the beautiful writers podcast. Uh, and Linda, who's the host of that podcast, Linda Sievertson asked Seth that same thing. She said, Oh, you, you know, you gave Sam such a great endorsement for that book. I'm sure a lot of our readers would also like to get great endorsements from you or somebody else. You know, do you have any advice? And Seth said, <laughs> he said, I did not give Samantha an endorsement for her book. She earned an endorsement by writing an amazing book. Hmm. So if you would like an endorsement from me or somebody like me, First, read Samantha's book and ask yourself, is my book as good or better? <laughs> because if it isn't, you have work to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
or something like that. And I, of course, I'm completely freaking out on the other end of the microphone. I'm like, don't freak out, don't freak out, don't freak out, don't burst into tears, don't freak out. I'm like in the meantime, like all my daddy issues, like I'm totally healed. You know? <laughs> That's it was awesome. amazing. It was incredibly kind and supportive. I, I don't know what magic stars aligned that, um, you know, meant he did that, but he's been, he's been a wonderful, um, it was a wonderful, it was a, it was a wonderful way to start my professional writing career. That's awesome. Well, congrats on that. That's really cool. And I also saw, so Keegan Michael Key wrote the foreword for one of your books. Is that accurate? He did. Yes. Keegan so is he and I from like Second City? Yeah. He and I knew each other when he was at Second City Detroit, actually a zillion years ago. Uh, yeah. We've been friends for a long time. He is just as wonderful and lovely and smart and funny and great as anyone hopes he is. He's delightful. I heard him be interviewed on Pete Holmes podcast. You made it weird. And I don't think I've ever laughed so hard. Have you heard that interview by any chance? I haven't, but Keegan has made me lose control and all dignity so many times I can't even yeah. count. So that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> they, yeah. I was like scream laughing, like walking the dog, which I don't, I don't, it takes a lot to get me rolling. And they, I can't even explain it. Just their energy. Pete Holmes is hilarious. And Keegan Michael Key is hilarious. And they were just goofing off for the first 30 minutes before they even got into the conversation. But it was, uh, it was really great. Yeah. There's some people who get famous that all oh, you just, you just want to stand up and applaud, go like, yes, yes. More famous people like that. That's great. <laughs> Hey, last question I can think of. Oh, I got a lot of questions I can think of, but I want to chat about the acting stuff, the improv stuff. Curious how that has helped you in your business. What elements of that previous life you had do you utilize on a day-to-day -day basis, either in your business or your client's business? Yeah, so it's it's not totally in the past. I do still act. I still get paid to act sometimes, awesome. um, but it is not my day-to-day -day focus for sure, not the way it used to be. Um, yeah, I firmly believe that a life in the theater prepares you beautifully for the world uh, and especially for entrepreneurship. And it's funny, I have a friend that I know from theater who now is uh, kind of a big deal at Apple. And he says, oh yeah, when he's interviewing people at Apple, he can always tell if they've got a theater background or not. Huh. And he always, and he makes a special effort to hire them because what theater people what you learn about theater, about life, and when you're doing theater and improvisation is, you know, you learn about how to hold your body. You learn about how to breathe. You learn about how to talk so people can understand you. You learn about what we call ensemble, but in the business world, it's called teamwork, right? Um, you learn about how to use language. You learn about emotion. You learn about um, how to make something out of nothing. You learn about how to say yes. In improvisation, the rule is make your partner look great. That's kind of your only job is to make your partner look amazing. Yeah. Um, and certainly, and probably the most useful thing is, is the grit. <laughs> is, you know, when you're opening a show and opening night is Friday and it's Tuesday and that set piece still doesn't work and this guy still doesn't know his lines and that joke is never going to work. And that, like, it's not, the whole thing is falling to pieces and yet you will open on Friday. Right. You will open on Friday. And like, how does it happen? It's a miracle. And that particular sort of, that particular brand of never say die, I think is indispensable for the entrepreneur. 
I know some, a lot of entrepreneurs, they say they want to, a bucket list for them is they want to do stand-up comedy or, or not even entrepreneurs. I think just humans are like, cause it's the scariest thing they can think of. And I've kind of got it on my radar of that would be something that makes me extremely uncomfortable, but it would be a useful thing to go give it a shot. Uh, how do you see either stand-up comedy or something like improv, I think also could scratch a similar itch. It's, I'd be very uncomfortable to, to do that, to learn some of those skills. But I would assume that going through an improv type class, even for a season or for you know a set of four classes or whatever, would be a useful skill to learn. I could not recommend it enough. Improv especially. Stand-up is a, a very particular kind of skill that really has, it has a lot to do with writing uh, as well as performing. Improv anyone can do, anyone can be successful at. And again, the, the things you learn about in improvisation, saying yes and, making a bold choice, being specific, being willing to fail publicly, ugly, belly flop, fail. Right. <laughs> um, and having a sense of fun and joy and understanding that it's not you, it's not about you, it's about the audience. It's about the ensemble. It's about the experience you are creating together. And I would 100%, if you had, have ever had the slightest urge to take an improv class, absolutely do it. You'll have so much fun. You will laugh like you have never laughed. You will make great friends. And, uh, and you'll find some fun games. You know, there's to like even play with your kids, you know, make one word story and, you know, different kinds of innovative forms of tag you know there's a lot of especially in short form improv there's a lot of good games i've had no desire to do improv it actually kind of terrifies me which is my compass for if it's something i should press into a friend of mine invited me to go to a prison in california to do an entrepreneur thing and i was like that sounds like the worst idea in the world i'm in like let's let's go like that makes me really uncomfortable and, i think this uh, is another another blessing of 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 being of being an actor and a performer is because we all get, you know, that pit of the stomach feeling, that terrified feeling that I don't want to be visible, that feels scary, that feels like I'm going to do badly at that, you know? <laughs> um, but actors get used to that feeling because that's stage fright. That's, that's what happens when you're about to enter. So we start to learn to reinterpret that feeling as it's still horrible, but it's like, oh no, this isn't just terror. This, I'm not actually going to die. I'm just going to go on stage. <laughs> or I might die, but in a different way. Um, and, and I think entrepreneurs have to do the same thing that when you get that pit of the stomach feeling and the voice in my head always goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then the curtains open. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, great. Now I have to, whatever it is, you know, they're all, they're all looking at me and I've got a microphone in front of me. Yeah. yeah scrutiny is hard. You know, the visibility thing is no joke. We're, we're, we're genetically programmed to be afraid of that. And for good reason, you know, when other big mammals are looking at us, it's because they want to eat us. So it's <laughs> yeah. no wonder we get self-conscious. I think uh, I'm, I'm so grateful you shared all this stuff. I, I think we could, we could go on for a while at int more interesting stories. I've got a lot of celebrity questions, but I'll save those for um, our, our next chat. But I think for people listening, th this is um, one of my big takeaways and would love to hear your, your final thoughts in a minute as well. My big takeaways, so many people are worried about their uh, first, whatever, like they're, if they decide like I've got to, answer the call in my business and write my first email. I was like, I don't know why I was terrified to write my first email. They might unsubscribe, right? But it's like, they need to unsubscribe and, or they need to connect with you in a meaningful way. And I was afraid to launch my first podcast. So I did nothing for a year and I was afraid I would write my book, which is a marketing and funnel book. And then I call, I deemed it 
in a way I deemed it unimportant and it's just a marketing book and it helped me grow my email list. And then some people read it and they're like, this is actually really good. And it was that actually word that kind of stuck with me. Like that implies that you had low expectations for it and then you enjoyed it in some way and you enjoyed the stories and connected with the message and you enjoyed it, which is amazing. And then you start to get a lot of confidence. A lot of people that watch my videos and Facebook lives and webinars, they have this huge kind of poster behind my head that says prove them wrong. And, uh, it's that same kind of chip on my shoulder mentality that uh, for me, you know, serves me for a season in my life. I'm actually going to replace it soon, but um, just hosted my first live event. And I thought, well, people even come and the people that come, will they stay or will they bail on lunch on day one? Cause it's uninteresting or unimportant or that's not worth it or whatever. And then they did stay. And then I made an invitation to join a high ticket coaching program. I thought but maybe nobody will buy it. And people, a lot of people bought it. In fact, it sold out. And then I thought, and so by now I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to like get over the fact that, people might not engage with my stuff in a meaningful way as I want them to, because that's not true. And that's a useless thought. And so just, I can discard it, but for people listening and thinking, well, gosh, I don't want to do my first podcast or do my first interview or my first YouTube video, or my first email or my first Facebook live. I'm so terrified of that. Um, the only thing I can say is, is just go do it. And like my first five podcast episodes, the audio sucks. And I say like every three words and I say, um, every 15th word and I don't do that anymore, but you've just got to get through it and get it out there and get started. So that's one of my big takeaways from your chat today. Anything else you think of that would really serve people where they're at with, with your expertise? Well, one thing I often say in, in, in to help people move past that, you know, this is terrifying moment because it is, it's terrifying. It's horrible. And I think we somehow assume like, Oh, it must be easier. It must be easier for Cody. He must not be afraid. Like, no, no, he was plenty afraid. He just did it anyway. No, it must be easy for Sam to write a book. No, no, <laughs> not any easier for me than for anybody else. Just as hard and just as terrifying. Yeah. Um, so one thought I might leave you with is just get a C. Quit trying to get an A plus in everything. Just get a C. C is the grade you get for showing up and doing the work. Show up, do the work. Show up, do the work. Show up, do the work. Don't try to do the work better than everybody else. Don't try to get extra credit and be a little apple polisher. Like, just show up and do the work. And what you'll find is that, first of all, your version of a C is kind of everybody else's version of an A. You may have noticed that already. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you do stuff and you feel a little embarrassed and everybody else is going, you did that? Right? Um, and also, yes, understand that you know, if you get it out there and it's not perfect and it needs to be made more perfect, well, then you will make it more perfect. You will learn as you go. You will revise. You will release, you know, director's cut 2.0. Like there's lots of room for do-overs, but to not do anything because you are afraid, to let your fear make your decisions for you. When we don't know how long we have to do our work, we are not granted an unlimited amount of time in which to do our work. So that idea that is still tugging on your sleeve is yours and we need you to bring it to life. So that would be it. Don't wait. Do 15 minutes today, right now, right now. Hmm. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, that, that was that was great. I really enjoyed our chat again. And where can people go to follow along with your journey to buy your books and see what Seth Coden said and Keegan Michael Key said? <laughs> learn more about you. Yeah, you can get the books anywhere. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore should have them. Uh, 
but you can come see me at therealsambennett.com. And especially if you're interested in marketing, you might want to hop on my email list. Um, I've won awards for my email marketing. <laughs> I have a little, a little genius at it and it's kind of, and it's a lot of fun. So you might want to get on there and then you all can write me and tell me about your projects and I'll write you back. We'll be pen pals and best friends. It'll be great. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sam, <laughs> thanks again for being on the show today. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to our next conversation. Me too, Cody. Thanks so much.